All right. Well, thank you, Brother Cookston, for leading the singing even without a piano. It was an extra, an extra challenge, but you, um, you did it very well. And so we'll be in our, in our Bibles tonight. We'll be in, we will be in, I'll get my remote turned on. We'll be in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verse number 13. Um, and once you've found it, if you'll join me in standing in reverence to God's word. And 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 13. And, oh, we will be using, uh, we have another note sheet tonight that goes along with our series. If you still need one, if you would uh, just stick your hand up and one of the ushers will get one to you. They, um, we're on the back table. Uh, looks like everyone's got one. I don't see any hands. And so, uh, so First Thessalonians, chapter two, verse number thirteen. The Bible says, "For this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which ye heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as the word of truth." In the word of God, which effectually worketh in you, also in you that believe. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this day, Lord. Lord, I pray that you will have your hand on this service tonight, Lord. Lord, I just pray that we will um, learn something new from your word tonight, Lord. Lord, I pray for the kids' class that's going on right now, and I pray for the uh, teen class, Lord, that you'll be with those classes tonight. Lord, I just pray that the um, the kids will learn from your word in those classes. And uh, Lord, I just uh, pray also for our pastor and his family as they travel. I pray that they um, they all make it home safely as they uh, drive and uh, some of them drive and some of them fly back. In your son Jesus Christ's name, amen. All right. So number, so growth point number five, the last few services, uh, Sunday school and then Sunday night, We've been looking at six different growth points for the for the Christian life, and we're on number five tonight. We're going to uh, wrap up tonight with uh, number five and six. There's six total, and so number five, right there at the top of your page, is compassionate service. Compassionate service, and I added a little bit of a challenge tonight because I missed some of, I didn't embolden some of them on the PowerPoint, so it was a little bit more tricky for you guys. Um, but, so the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians sixteen fifteen, I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And in 1 Peter 4, 10, Right below that, the Bible says, As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. And so when we're saved, we receive the Holy Ghost, and we, we all have a gift from God that we can use for him, and that we can use um, for him and for our church in some way. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, that there's one body and many members. So there's the body of the church, and then each member has a particular spiritual gift that they can use for the church. And, you know, all of these gifts are not going to be the same. Not everybody is going to be able to, uh, to, to sing in church. Not everybody is going to be able to 
preach. Not everybody is going to be able to, to teach a Sunday school class, but there is something that each and every person can do in, in the local church. And um, there's some ministries that are behind the scenes that nobody, no, that very few see. And we might ask ourselves, well, how can I be an encouragement in that ministry? And I um, remember a message uh, oh, a couple years ago on, um, a, from a really peculiar um, part of scripture. And it was uh, uh, Brother Schwenke preached it and at men's retreat about um, and being about being uh, a servant and one of the one of the things was that he mentioned is uh, who's going to be the person that that cleans the church who's going to be the person that does that hard job well I he, then pastor mentioned after I think at our church the the worst job isn't cleaning the church the worst job is working in the nursery that's the one that nobody wants and so I don't know what that means about the babies of our church but <laughs> I must be pretty rough in there but um but um, we there's there's jobs in the church that for for each and every person if you and we each have different gifts we have each have different gifts for different things on the bottom there Hebrews six ten the Bible says for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed towards His name and that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister and so when we're saved we're given a gift of service uh, letter A there under growth point number five, there is something that God enabled you to do in the local church for the edification and encouragement of others. For the edification and encouragement of others. So God's given us each of an ability to serve him. Well, you might say, well, I can't, I, I can't teach a class, or I can't do this, or I can't do that. There is something that each and every one of us can do and it can be something just as being an encouragement and welcoming in welcoming in visitors and uh, making everybody feel uh, feel welcome i remember uh years ago um uh susie susie kurtz used to sit on the very very back and you would always and go by and say hi to susie and um she would um, make sure you were you were very welcome in the in the church and so each and every person can do can do something for the edification and encouragement in the local New Testament church. And so, also, your new nature, when you have the Holy Spirit, your new nature desires to serve and glorify God. Your new nature desires to serve and glorify God. When you have that indwelling Holy Spirit, and if you're obedient to the Holy Spirit, that's going to direct you to serve and to glorify God. And so we weren't designed to be a cul-de-sac Christian. When we receive God's grace when we're saved, we're meant to pass that on to others and to live as Jesus did, serving serving others. And so, and we're not to be a cul-de-sac Christian in that that grace from God just stops with us. We ought to be passing that on to others so that others can come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior and also to encourage others as well. So when we have the Holy Spirit, um, we our, the Holy Spirit will um, help us to be engaged in ministry and to, to labor with Christ and with our local church. And so God doesn't just want us to be in our, in our local church, in our local community of believers, but God also wants us to be serving in that, serving in that church. And that the Holy Spirit will help us with that after, after we're saved. And so 
one of these areas, an example of somebody that didn't have an assigned ministry in their local church, but found a way to serve to serve God and to um, in a in a different way because he saw the need. One thing that they you hear at West Coast um, at West Coast Baptist College constantly is you always hear the phrase, "Well, see the need, take the lead." That's kind of one of their one of their mottos down there. And in the local church, that's a great a great motto to have because there's a lot of a lot of needs that somebody needs to take the lead on. Um, Pastor House can't do everything. I, I can't do everything. You know, the teachers they can't do everything. There's always something that needs to be that needs to be done. But in this case, in if you want to turn over there to Acts chapter nine and verse twenty-six, to Acts nine twenty-six, I'm going to read a couple verses. And when so when Saul came to Jerusalem, he wanted to join himself to the disciples. Saul being the Saul that became that became Paul. But they were all afraid of them. They didn't believe him that he wanted to be a disciple because he had been the great persecutor of Christians. To them, this would have been like a, it been like a terrorist coming to want to join their church. And so, I look looking at it through through their eyes, it doesn't seem unreasonable that they would not want him to be anywhere near their church. And so Barnabas, though, brought him to the apostles, and he used a. Uh, he, he used his own his own uh, reputation, his own testimony, in order to uh, <clears throat> to bring Saul into this into this church. So in Acts chapter nine, verse number twenty six, the Bible says, "And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he ashamed to join himself to the disciples, and they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them." how that he had seen the Lord in the way, and that he had spoken to him, and how that he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so, as he was, as he was um, talking about Paul here, he was pointing out all that Paul had done, um, and how, you know, it should really um, bring him into the local New Testament church. So notice the next blank there, that's the underlined, Barnabas chose to engage in personal ministry. He chose to engage in personal ministry. You know, it might seem just like a little thing that he found this man, Saul, that needed to be included in the body of the church, and he used, he used what he could to, uh, to bring Saul into this local church. But looking back on it, it was a really big deal. Because the Apostle Paul was a huge, did, did huge things for the, for, the local, for the church and for the ministry of Christ, writing a, a bunch of the New Testament, many books of the New Testament. And so to help Saul into the church of Jerusalem and later Antioch, Barnabas expended himself to help him grow and help others to grow. You know, God is going to call us to things that are not in our comfort zone. You know, I imagine that maybe Barnabas thought sometimes, "Am I doing the right thing by what if I'm what if I'm wrong? What if what if God is not leading me correctly in this in this area?" You know, there maybe he had some had some doubts in his mind, but all, but ultimately he trusted God because he believed God was leading him to welcome Paul uh, or Saul into this local church, and and even though it was it was would have been a way out of his comfort zone, you know. So often we think, you know, 
um, there's there's people that come to church, and you know, <clears throat> people when they first come to church, they're not always they they usually don't have their life all perfectly all perfectly together, you know, um, they and that was the extreme with Saul being the persecutor of the church, but. Um, things aren't always as aren't always as clear cut and and nice as we want them to be. Sometimes they're complicated, like this. And so, notice letter C under there. When you invest in others, you spend your life the way that Jesus did. Jesus spent his time going going to the needy and spending and spending time with them and investing in them whether that was through the, through the miracles that he did or through just spending the time to teach them and to show them how they can be saved. And so that's that, that last blank there uh, under um, growth point number five. When you choose to invest in others, you spend your life the way that Jesus did. And so Jesus spent his time going to people, serving them, and encouraging them. And that's how, that's, that's how we should spend our time. And so growth point number six tonight, growth point number six is continual cultivation, continual cultivation. And once you've got that filled out, if you'll turn with me to Numbers chapter 20, to Numbers chapter 20, um, which is the furthest away we're going to go in our Bibles tonight from where we've been. We've been in the New Testament the whole time, but Numbers chapter 20 in verse number two we're going to look at here a big, a big failure in trusting God. And so we've looked at all of these ways that we should grow in our Christian life. And, you know, when it comes to trusting God, this passage in Numbers tw- chapter 20 is, is Moses' big, big mess up right, right here in number one of, or one of his mess ups in Numbers chapter 20. And so here we see the waters of Mitzvah. So Numbers chapter 20, beginning in verse number 2, the Bible says, And there was no water for the congregation, and they gathered themselves together against Moses and Aaron. Verse number 3, And they chode with Moses, saying, Why would God that we, that we had died when our, with our brethren, when our brethren died before the Lord? So, and then verse number four, and why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness that we and our cattle should die there? So, so often as I, at least when I read the, New, read the, the Old Testament, um, this section of the Old Testament and um, in Exodus and Numbers, um, Exodus, Leviticus and Numbers, I can kind of get into this trap of thinking, oh, well, there goes those, those uh, wicked Israelites again, they're rebelling against God, even though God had, had, uh, <clears throat> had already provided for them. They'd already seen God do great things. But here they are just rebelling against God again. Well, that's really, uh, really not very fair on my part. So what they, all they wanted here was water. So I'm thinking about this, this first verse here when it said that there was no water. Well, um, well, even just here at the church, I can either, I have, I have many choices for where I can get water. There's water bottles in the fridge, there's tap water, or if I want cold water, there's the drinking fountain. And so we, we have multiple choices. We can, we can get water anywhere. You know, I have 
water at home. I have, um, I probably have some soda in my fridge, and there's probably a dozen places in between here and my home I can stop and get get water or some other or some other drink. But they had no water, and there was no grocery store or no restaurants for them to stop and get a glass of water. And so, I I read this and read it from my from my life, which is relatively very comfortable compared to the situation that they're in. And I think, well, where where is their faith? Well, I I've never been in a situation where I had completely no access for water to water for an extended period of time. Maybe if I forgot a water bottle on a hike, but that's all my fault. And um, it's nothing like this situation. They have their children and cattle and families that are all are all there and they're starting to get parched it's starting to become more and more of a problem and so when we see this when we read this we really got to kind of put ourselves in their in their situation where they're there there's really no water for them at all and so let's continue reading in verse number five the bible says and wherefore have you made us to come up out of egypt to bring us into this evil place it is it is so it is no place of seed and of figs of, or of vines or of pomegranates, neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went up from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and they fell upon their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take, and so here God begins to give instructions to Moses as to how how he's supposed to uh, get this water. And so verse number eight, take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou Aaron thy brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts to drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him, and Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock and said unto him, Hear now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with the rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. So we read this, and what's the problem here? He didn't follow God's instruction. He was supposed to speak to the rock, but he struck the rock instead. And God wants our obedience in this situation. In verse number 12, the Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. And the water this, and this water of Mitzvah, because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. And so sometimes we... Uh, like Moses, mess up in our Christian life. And so we kind of sometimes, we want, we want things quickly. I mentioned that the first, the, first, um, um, the first section of these growth points. Uh, a lot of times we, we, just want, we just want our blessings from God quickly. We want them as fast as we, as we can get them. And, you know, here things were not going well for Moses. He was going, God was, uh, God was testing Moses in this situation, and he was testing the, 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 um, the nation of Israel right here. 
with this, uh, with this lack of water and with God giving them, them water. And so, but there are times when we, when we will slip, when we will mess up. We're not, we're not, um, we're not perfect and we're not going to become, we're not going to be saved and we're not going to get to a point here on earth when we're completely sinless. That's not until we get to heaven. And so we need, even when we, when, when we mess up, and you know, there's still a punishment for sin. Even, even when we mess up like this, there's still a punishment for sin. Because of this, Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land. But <clears throat> Moses was still, he was still saved. He wasn't going to go to hell because of this. And so in the, in the Christian life, we don't want to get the idea that if we, that if we, if we mess up, if we have a slip-up, that, that we're going to lose our salvation. That's something that's held up. That's something that's held up by God, um, not by us. We can't. We can't lose our salvation. And also, we need to be able to get back up and start growing in our Christian life again. We need to be able to to get back into church, get back into our Bible, get back into our prayer life, and not let uh, these kinds of these kinds of things where we mess up completely derail us. Because uh, <clears throat> because these are going to happen. We still have we still have our sin nature. Notice that letter A, oh, I'm going to have to come back to those verses. Um, notice letter A, uh, or above letter A, failure is not the end. And then under that letter A, your heart is a field and God is the, and God is the gardener. So your faith has a lot of growing and, and fruit bearing ahead, and that we've got to take it day by day growing in, in, all, in all of these ways. In, in our in our church attendance, in our prayer, in our Bible study, and in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And letter B, one of God's primary instructions to you in his word is to be patient. And there is few things that we hate more than patience. Patience is the worst. Because it's really it's really, really hard to get. Because we want, we want quick solutions. We desperately want quick solutions, especially when there's big problems. We saw that with the, with, um, with the children of Israel just a moment ago in, in Numbers. They didn't have water. You know, you can't go a whole long time without water. And it was an immediate need. And they, they wanted to know where their water was coming from. And, you know, we, we're very fortunate in that way that we all we all know where our water is coming from. You know, most of us, we're going to, you know, hopefully all of us will go home tonight and our taps will work and we'll have water. But that was not the case for the, for the Israelites. Now, um, I'm going to skip back here to those verses that I put in the wrong spot. Um, if you look with me in Hebrews uh, 10.36, the Bible says, For ye have need of patience, that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. And then James 1, 3 through 4 in the green there says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may prove perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So it is patience that will make us a full-grown Christian. It's interesting that that patience is a fruit of the Spirit. 
And so as we, uh, in Galatians 5.22, the Bible says, and the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. I would say that long-suffering here is that patience, because patience is this, this long-suffering. You just have to wait. And so we, we need to have we need to have that that patience it's kind of it's a mark of maturity in the christian life and we're not going to become patient on our own it's not something we can we can practice to become patient i don't recommend to become patient you just go sit around in waiting rooms and wait for recreationally and how we become patient in our christian life is we we grow closer. We grow closer to God, and the Holy Spirit will help us to grow that patience in our Christian life. And you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Christians that have never, um, because they're not um, actively living uh, living out their Christian life and having that relationship with Jesus Christ, they're not growing in patience in, in patience at all. Because you know, if we're not walking with God, if we're not growing in Him, then we're not going to become we're not going to become more spiritually mature. We're just going to stay at the same at the same place. And you know, I mentioned, um, you know, it's it's great to have children in church, even when it's hard to find nursery workers sometimes. But and and it's great to have babies in church. But we wa- we don't want to be a church full of baby Christians. We want to we want we want to have babies in our church, and we want to have baby Christians in our church. But we need so- we need. We need Christians that have been a Christian for a while to become spiritually mature and to be walking with God and to, um, and to develop that patience and to not be full of, um, of, of clamoring and criticizing and turmoil and to, and to have that relationship with Christ and to be, uh, to be the leaders in the church. David wrote in Psalm 131, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor my eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. Surely I have behaved and quieted myself as a child that weaned from his mother, my soul even as weaned from a, as a weaned child. In other words, David said, I found out I've grown up. He needed to Get, get off milk and start start eating the, the steak. Start eating the hard stuff. He needed to eat from the bread of life. He needed to stay on the, on the things of God. And, you know, sometimes when God tests us, that's where we find out where we're at. You know, when God tested Moses, there he failed that test. But when God tested Job, you know, Job, Job trusted God as God tested him with all of these, with all of these things. You know, for the, um, the, the sergeants who do their, their school here, this week is, is state testing. You find out where you're at, how you're doing in all your, in all your subjects. Um, you know, just like testing our Christian life, I didn't like state testing growing up. But it's something we've got to do to find out where we're at. And so, and then in James 5, 7, the Bible says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early latter rain. And so I don't know about you, but it would be nice if we could just snap our fingers and we could we could have that um, we could we could be spiritually mature, we could have that patience. 
but it only comes through that through that relationship with Christ, through trusting him, through learning more about him, that we can that we can have that we can have that patience and we can have that relationship and trust in him. And so uh, letter C, letter C on there, keep yielding, keep waiting, keep resting. Continual cultivation is one of the greatest secrets of Christianity. And so, again, we want things, we want things instantly. And also, when we see, when I say waiting here, when we're to wait on the Lord, we're not to wait in the sense of, of just sitting around at home waiting for something to happen. You know, we ought to be, we've ought to, we, God has given us our instructions. We have the Great Commission. We know what we're supposed to be doing. We have a job to do until God gives us further instruction, until God uh, reveals to us what we're supposed to, supposed to do with our life. And so we want to know things instantly. But this idea of yielding and waiting has the idea more of a, of a waiter in a, in a restaurant, as I like to think of it. You know, a waiter in a restaurant, they don't, um, they don't just sit in the back and wait for you to come to, to, come to them and tell you and, and tell them what they want. No, the waiter in a, in a good restaurant that is a waiter that, um, that wants to do well, they're going to come out, and in a lot of restaurants, they're going to have, they're gonna have your, your water already on the table right away. They're going to be asking what kind of, kind of drinks you want. In some restaurants, they're going to have bread or chips on the table right away for you. They know what they're supposed to be. There's some things that are already expected before you even, you even start, um, start eating or you even ask for anything. And so that's how we're supposed to be in our, we're supposed to be waiting. We're so, God has already given us some instructions. There are already some things we know we're supposed to do. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to be uh, telling, uh, telling others the gospel. We're supposed to be faithful to church. We're supposed to be faithful in prayer. You know, God has given us, um, has given us enough things to keep us busy. And, you know, then the waiter will, will be waiting for what you We'll come back and see, you know, what do you want to eat? How's your, how's your food? We'll be constantly checking in. That's how we're supposed to be with God. You know, we're supposed to ask God, you know, is this what you want me to do with my, is what I'm doing right here what, what you want? Is that your will? And be constantly going back to God and asking, and asking those things. You know, we, and we ought not be just sitting around thinking, well, God hasn't told me what I should be doing. No, we ought to be we ought to be serving God. God has given us plenty of instructions to keep us busy. In Hebrews 10:22 and 23, the Bible says, "Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering, for he is faithful that he promised." And so God is faithful. You know, if we if we, this continual cultivation, if we just keep living for him, if we keep doing this, this work and living for God, you know, God is faithful and his blessings for it are going to be, are, are going to be so abundant that we're, um, that any, anything we do will completely pale in comparison to what God does for us. This is all a, a gift from God. It's a gift to have this relationship with Jesus Christ and, and to know him. And so as we, as we wrap up tonight and wrap up 
um, really this series. Um, and at the bottom there, we have we have um, all the all six of the growth points for you. And so the first one, communication from the Word of God. And just to, by way of review, as we as we uh, wrap up tonight. That communication from the word of God, that's the preaching from the word of God. You know, we ought to be, um, the first two both have to do very much with, with church. We ought to be in church to hear the communication from the word of God, to hear the preaching from the word of God. That's how we're supposed to grow. It's something that's given to us by God. And it's something that a lot of people that will claim to be Christian today say that, you know, that's that's something they don't want to do. They don't want to be, um, they they we'll say, well, you know, I can't find a church. All, all churches are corrupt. Well, there are no perfect churches, but God has, God has given us the church, and it's for, it's for our benefit. And so secondly, and also relating to church, we have the community of believers, the community of believers in the local church. So we have the preaching from God's word in the church and then the community of believers in the church. And, you know, the devil and the world have done everything they possibly can to separate these two things. To make preaching something that you can just listen to at home or on a podcast or on YouTube or, or something like that and completely separate that from the community of believers. And so that is, um, we, we need both of those. We need the community of believers. We need to be in church hearing the word of God. Notice number three communication with jesus communication with jesus that's our prayer life we need to have that time of prayer we need to have that time of our of our personal bible study we need to have that time personally communicating with 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 jesus christ and this is also how when we're when we're waiting on the lord when we're trying when we're we want an answer from the lord we're waiting on the lord up to something we need to do or a decision we need to make, the very best thing you can do is have that communication with Jesus. Other than that, if you're not, if you're not waiting, if you're not listening to what Jesus, what to Jesus Christ, if you're not in His Word and listening, then how are you supposed to know what what He is telling you? And so we need to be in the Word of God. We need to be praying as well. Notice a fourth cataclysmic events, cataclysmic events. And an example of that is what the Israelites were going through there in Numbers chapter 20. You know, they didn't have any water. That's pretty, that's pretty bad. There's, there's worse things. There, there's much worse examples as well. But this is when God, God tests us. And we find, out, we find out where we're at. And God, who, who, knows, who knows everything about it, uh, it reveals where we're at. Number five, and this was one uh, from tonight, compassionate service, compassionate service. You know, with all those things, we ought to be, we ought to be serving in our, in our local church. We ought to be uh, finding a place that we can serve. Even if, um, even if um, the pastor doesn't, doesn't give us an assigned ministry, we ought to find, you know, see the need and take the lead. And then number six, continual Continual cultivation, continual cultivation. You know, we ought to just continue this process. Well, we, it's, a, it's a lifelong thing. We don't get to, you know, we don't turn 65 and retire as Christians. We, we continue. We need to always continue to hear from the word of God. We need to continue to be part of the church. We need to continue 
our communication with Jesus. We need to continue reading our Bible and praying. And, you know, um, you know, some would say that uh, that bad things, cataclysmic events, you get your, you know, you have more of those when you're older. I, I don't know if you'd say you have more or less when you're older, but, um, but you, those will continue to come into our life. And when you even at the end, we need to still be com- involved in compassionately serving God and serving others. And so um, to go back to our main text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I just want to read the end of the verse. And so the Bible says, The word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. And so as we, as we go through our life, the word of God is, in, and God is continually going to be working in us, where we're not going to reach a point until we're all done. We don't cross the finish line until we go to heaven. And we don't want to, we don't want to retire completely, completely from our Christian life. It's really, it's really sad when you see somebody that's lived for the Lord the whole, their whole life, and they, and they just, they decide that they're not going to live for the Lord anymore um, near the end. They, we ought to be living for our, for the Lord our, our whole life. And those setbacks and, and failures can be something that get, get us off track, but we need to remember where, where, our, um, where our, our, our blessings and where our, our power comes from in the Christian life, and that's, that's through Jesus Christ. And all of these things are to help us know him better. And so... I like this, you know, having the idea here that we looked at at the beginning. Maintaining a Christian life, it's like a garden. It's a lot of work. But there are some great blessings if you, if, you put in, if you put in the work, if you put in the time. God blesses us for it hugely. And, and we have, we have um, a big harvest. But, you know, like a garden, there's a lot of work. There's the, the soil preparation, the planting, the fertilizing, the weeding, the watering, and the harvesting. There's a lot of work we've got to do. And in the church, that's in, in our Christian life, that's, that's spending that time in, in our Bible reading. That is, 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 making it to, is making it to church. That's praying. And that's, ser- that's serving others in the, in the church. And trusting God through those, through those cataclysmic events, through those bad things that come into our life. And so, and then, um, and it's not going to be instant. Like tonight, we're going to go ahead and wrap up. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and close in a word of prayer. And so tonight, are you growing in these areas? Uh, let's go ahead and pray, and we'll have, a, have an invitation.